Hello and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the actions and interests of skaters beyond skateboarding. My guest today, Luisa Menke, is originally from Algeria but grew up in the Netherlands and spent most of her adult life in Barcelona. After winning a series of European contests in the early 2000s, Luisa was the first European woman ever to turn pro back in 2003 for a Dutch brand called Colorblind. Since then, she has kept developing her abundant creativity through many different mediums, including traveling, photography, painting, music, zine making, and of course, skateboarding. So here's my conversation with Luisa Menke. I hope you'll enjoy it. Barcelona it's been a long time right like I think you went there not long after finishing high school or something yeah I mean the first time I moved to Barcelona was in 2003 so like almost 20 years ago you were like what 18 19 yeah 18 there? okay yeah I just finished high school and my mom wanted to move to another city so we were basically moving from away from my hometown when I finished high school and then I had no idea what I wanted to do like uh, school wise but like my mom she's a teacher so mm -hmm. she always thought it was really important to go to school so like I, I didn't know what to do so I At that time, I was just going to all these contests, and I won all these European contests. That's right, yeah, yeah. And um, I graduated from high school, and then my mom moved to another city, so I like lost all my comfort zone, basically. And some of my friends moved to Barcelona, and they had a room extra, and they kept calling, going like, come on, you can live here with us. Okay. And um, at the time, I like had applied or just like I got into this high school kind of thing. Like so, in Holland, you have this high school that has different levels. Specialties or oh, okay. Yeah. So like I graduated from like not the highest level, but like one before that. And so if you graduate from the highest level high school, which is one more year, mm -hmm. then you can go straight into university and you don't have to do like another, at least at that time. I don't know how it is now. Okay, But I see. Yeah, so as I didn't know what I wanted to do, I thought I'd ju just do that one more year so I could have more choices, basically, when mm. I knew what I wanted to do. So I signed up for this school. I went there for one week. My friends were like, come on, come to Barcelona. And I really didn't like that school because I was not focused on it at all. Mm -hmm. So I had to tell my mom that I wanted to move to Barcelona, but I was already in this school. So she was like, okay, but then you have to tell the the director or the, the school That you're not coming. Yeah. Then I'm not coming. So I I was like, okay, because that was like pretty intense. And I mm. thought it was kind of scary to do. So I did it. And then the guy didn't believe me. And he made my mom speak to him instead. But then, yeah, then oh, I quit. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> so then then I, I quit that school and moved to Barcelona. And um, from there on, it was like basically the first time I lived on my own. And um, it feels like home to me in a way also. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's where you've lived the longest, I guess, right? 
I mean, when I moved there then, I would always come and go, and I was like basically living nowhere and everywhere, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, okay. And then, like, I did that until 2009. And then in 2009, I, I went to art school and I moved back to Holland. And I did that for four years and then I left again. And then I lived in Berlin for a little while, 14 months. And then I moved back to Barcelona. Okay. So basically, right now, I'm living here almost seven years straight, which is right. the longest I've ever lived somewhere else to the Netherlands. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So l let's bring it back a little bit to when you were growing up. And can you tell me a bit about like how you um, found skateboarding at a young age? Because I think you started skating around 13. Mm -hmm. And so you grew up in the Netherlands, which you just mentioned it before you went to Barcelona. And you also have Algerian um, origins. Yeah. And so, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about growing up and finding skateboarding? Yeah, so basically I was born in Algeria and when I was one year old I moved to the Netherlands with my mom because my parents divorced. And so I lived in Holland and then actually I had a skateboard before I was 13. You know when you go to the gas station and you get gas mm -hmm. and then you get these stamps and then you can win something or get something oh, after okay. a yeah, while. Yeah. yeah, so that's how I got my first board. Really? From okay. the stamps of the gas station. So it was like this Pro 90 board. I don't know if you know them. They're like these old Pro 90 toy boards. Okay, okay. So that was my first board and I really liked it. I guess I was like eight, nine, I don't know. But I had that board, you know, with the plastic wheels and everything. And then mm. I loved it. And then there was like a neighbor in my in my neighborhood who told me that I needed to get rubber wheels so I would go faster. Mm -hmm. So then somehow like I found someone that had rubber wheels and gave them to me. And then I had rubber wheels on the plastic board. So I would go faster. Okay. And yeah, but that, that was just like something I, I had. And then when I was 12... I think I had roller skates and mm -hmm. uh, that was like a big thing at the time and um, my friend from my neighborhood she was like let's go to the mini ramp in the city in the town because you know we could do tricks and um, try so I was like all right let's go and and we went there and then they're like I just really wanted to try and stuff and then like I learned this one trick in a day that day and then like I stayed there and then like later on the day like in the evening all the locals came so the skateboarders and one of them was a used to be a skateboarder he used to be the best one one of the best ones in my hometown but then he became a rollerblader <laughs> so okay. he was really good at that because that was cool then you know and he just he got into that so he he took an interest in me because he saw I, was, I just learned that trick and then he was like well that's crazy she just learned that let's see what else she can learn you know <laughs> okay. so he like tried to teach me three four tricks and I learned I did them all like straight wow. away and then they were all super impressed he was which made me really impressed because I had no idea what I was doing but I yeah. I had the feeling I was good at it because everyone else was like whoa it came naturally so, yeah yeah and and that just like gave me so much confidence mm -hmm. and 
inspiration that I came back every day since, you know, and learned a lot more. And then, like, at some point, I got really curious about skateboarding because I used to have that skateboard. So I would bring my shoes because before I would, like, go on my bike with the roller skates. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I would bring my shoes to the mini ramp and, like, try skating on the locals' boards. And um, eventually they gave me a board. All of them had, like, spare pieces and parts okay. and gave it to me so I could learn because, like, I really liked it. And they were like, all right, she got to get that skateboard because otherwise she's always trying to get on ours and we don't want Oh, that. yeah. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. so... <laughs> It was really cool. So I had my first board, but it was like um, this like hookups board with slick. Oh, uh, and like was that the brand with like the um, like the ladies on it? The stuff? naked yeah, yeah, women, yeah, yeah. yeah. So my mom wasn't really hyped when I had that board. She's like, "What is that?" <laughs> what like, the hell? Yeah, and yeah. I, I didn't like it that much either. I was just like, "All right, shit." But I just really wanted to skate, you know. So yeah. I had that board for a while, and it had slick. So. The picture didn't go away. Oh, okay, okay. So I, like, <laughs> I tried to get stickers on it, but eventually my mom bought me a deck. Okay. Yeah. So you started skating around that time, and eventually like, you started getting sponsored and doing competitions, but that maybe came a little bit later? Way later, yeah. And how, how was it perceived by the, especially like your mom and maybe your other friends outside of skateboarding that you were skating? Because I guess it wasn't very common at that time for a girl to skateboard. Well, I, the girl friend of mine I started with from my neighborhood, she was a girl. So she she brought me to the mini ramp where she wanted to go and it was her idea. So we went there. So basically I was raised by a single mom. Mm -hmm. So being like in the 80s in a small town in the Netherlands and like I was half Algerian, didn't know my dad. You know, like we didn't fit in society already because of all these things like... And my mom, she was strong, so she would, you know, work hard so that she could get me, you know, take care of yeah. me as well, yeah. And so basically she was always working and doing her thing. And, like, I grew up with my friends that, like, for example, one of my best friends, her mom was also a single mom and working, so we would either be at her house or at my house. And so, like, when I started skating, she would come too at some point, and she learned a little bit too. So I was with two girlfriends, basically, when I started skating. Okay. And the one that brought me there, she got into rollerblading or stayed into that. And I changed to skateboarding. And my friend, like, basically, like, my sister, she came and did it too. And, like, we were, like, these two little girls that we always out on the street getting into trouble. And um, mm -hmm. so the skaters, the older ones, they loved us. So we were, like, their new, like... Little Protégés sisters or, or yeah. you know, like we would just be there and um, we weren't intimidated by them. We would just, because we always hung out on the streets. So like, you know, they would say like, can you go get us this and this at the supermarket and you can get an ice cream? And we would just feel like, wow, we just got free ice cream, you know? So like we would do that for them and then they just took us in and like, it was really special and really cool. And like still, if I look back, I feel like that must have been really rare at that time but it was just natural you know that's how it went and yeah they just loved us because like I got super into it and my friend she got into it too but then she fell and hurt herself and she was like fuck this like <laughs> this is too painful you know yeah she was done 
Yeah, and then she would come and hang out, but then she would get into other things. Like, now she would say, like, I wish I did it, I stuck with it like you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't really an issue being a girl, and you were welcomed into the skate community where you were, among other, like, guys skating and stuff. So, yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, and they were all, like, 10 years, 12 years older than me. So they oh, were, wow. like, we had a really great skate scene, actually, in my hometown. This is a very small town. There's absolutely nothing to do. Mm -hmm. But there was, like, um, a skate scene, a music scene, and that made the place quite special. Yeah, very creative and, uh, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. That's where you got all this interest for uh, art and skateboarding. Yeah, and also, like, I played music before I started skating. So I had guitar lessons when I was, like, 12. Mm -hmm. So some of the skaters, they were musicians, so they played guitar, too. And so they, we had, like, another connection there. They would really be psyched that I played the guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was, like, a double, yeah, that was cool. So how did uh, sponsors start coming into the picture? Because uh, you told me before that you eventually did some contests where you performed very well. And then you turned pro in 2013. I I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. but uh... No, I turned pro in 2003. Yeah, sorry, I meant 2003. Yeah, I was 10 years short. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in 2013, I graduated art school. Another way of turning pro, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A different thing, turning pro in society or whatever yeah, the hell arts. that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, I got into skating, skateboarding, like really a lot when I was like 13, I guess. And then, like, I had some friends from my hometown that we would just go skate all around the country, or like we had this train ticket and we could go around the country and go to all the spots and skate parks. And um, then, like, um, there was a city nearby my hometown, like an hour away, and it had a skate park. So, like, we had to drive there. So, like, we needed to get either by train or some of the local skaters would drive, or like some of our parents would drive us you know mm -hmm. and uh, there was a contest there one day and so they were all like yeah you should compete so I, I entered and all of my friends we entered and it was like the um, north of Holland contest okay. or something and um, there were two different levels of the contest so it was like up until 16 and or 15 and above so that was my first contest and uh, I landed everything I did and then I kickflip down a mini ramp in my run and I won the contest wow. and and it was actually from all the boys because I was the only girl and it was real it wasn't just like oh she's a girl like we're gonna give her some more points yeah, or yeah. something no you killed it basically Yeah. yeah, and um, it was like a big surprise because I had no idea what it would do with me, you know, skating a comp. And so I won, and then all these people were just like, whoa, that's crazy, like, I don't think that's ever happened. And um, then there was this German skateboarding brand called Morphine, and okay. they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll sponsor you. And, and I was like, all right. So I was like, I got these boxes of morphine boards. <laughs> and um, wow. then I had a skate shop in Holland, Burnside. They sponsored me then too. Okay. So I was like 14 years old. And I had the board sponsors and the, um, the shop sponsor that would, you know, give me things. And it was really cool. And uh, then at some point, like, all my friends got into hip-hop, like, a mm -hmm. lot. So, like, 
everyone that I skated with from my age and the older like generation, they would come and go because they had to like work and stuff, you know. Yeah. So, but the people from my age, they were like all of a sudden they would all get into like hip hop, like breakdance, graffiti, rapping, and um, so they wouldn't really skate anymore. And then I would be there and I would get quite bored because like I missed hanging out with them, mm-hmm. and I liked hip hop too. So I just started hanging out with them and then barely skated and got super into that. And I was like maybe fifteen, mm-hmm. and then like I also you know hit puberty, so it was also like all right. I'm hanging out with all these boys like I want to hang out with my girlfriends as well and so like you know I started to get drunk party and um, then we like became this dance group from this hip hop crew in in my hometown that would go and do like shows around the area and we would be their dancers so we would like do like dancing in random clubs around Holland and get free drinks and just party you know it was really fun but um so we would just go all around and uh yeah then one day my friend well he's from my hometown but he was never there when i was there because he moved to amsterdam when he was like 18 or younger he's a skateboard photographer from the netherlands marcel veldman oh yeah yeah i know of him yeah yeah and he's so he's from my hometown and so basically the guys i grew up with he grew up with them so they would always tell him about me and then one day he needed a picture of a female skater so he came to my hometown to meet up with me and at the time i was like into the hip-hop thing so i was like doing graffiti and like the dancing and all that and then i didn't have a board so he, he brought a board Okay. That day we went and shot pictures and we got like a bunch of pictures in one day. And so we hung out, then we went to the bar and um, he was there too. And we partied, we got along and then the interview came out with my pictures in this like small magazine in the Netherlands. Right. And at that time, I think like it was right before these European contests started having female skater contests, like separated girl contests okay. from Soltec, like the Ethnic contests. So yeah, then I had that interview in a magazine, which was cool because I had never like uh, been in a... It wasn't really a skate magazine, kind of. But then it was just kind of cool because uh, he lived in Rotterdam at the time. So he was like, come to Rotterdam, we'll shoot more pictures. So mm-hmm. I went there with some of my friends from my hometown and we, st- we stayed at his house and shot a bunch of pictures and like saw like all these cool spots and skated Rotterdam. And um, yeah, then there was this store called Left, Left Skate Shop, Left Distribution, which was okay. like the biggest deal in the Netherlands at that time. Like they were the best sponsor you could have in in Holland, basically. Okay. And they would go to all the contests in Europe and um, yeah, so they wanted me on the team and um, I was just kind of like, whoa, that's... I was kind of intimidated because they were like big and then they were like we want you to come to skate these European contests but that means that I had to like go in the van with like 10 dudes yeah. they were like all from Amsterdam and Rotterdam and like oh I didn't really know them that much but Marcel was there so like I just kind of felt like alright so then you have to watch me you know because mm. like I was young and, and a woman so it was like yeah it could be a little like scary or yeah 
Yeah, but I really wanted to go as well. So like, yeah, so I went with them and then I won a few of those contests in a row. And that's when I got like all the other sponsors. Coverage and yeah. Yeah, because that's how it used to go. You know, you skate the contest and that's the only way to get. Uh, yeah, to get in, in media, like coverage in a, in a magazine or yeah. yeah, stuff like that. Because it was a small industry. So yeah, that's when that's when it all started. Like basically I won three of those contests in a row and then I could just choose. I had a lot of offers coming to me. From sponsors? Yeah, and I was just kind of like overwhelmed because like I found it pretty cool skating for the distribution because I got to choose everything I wanted. I could get one board one day, get another board the other, I like different pair of shoes. But now I have to like choose one. Yeah, one <laughs> single thing, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, all right, so what do I choose? And then like Soltec, Edney's, I chose that because I really like Don Brown, who is one oh, of yeah. the owners. Right, yep. And um, I just had a good vibe with him. Like he seemed like a, a good guy. So like I always went for my gut, like more for people, you know, or just uh -huh. like because I felt like it's something you do for fun, you know, like and yeah. obviously the money and stuff. I really didn't know what was going on with all that. I was like, I never really had a proper job. So I didn't know. And I was making all this money from the contests, but I didn't make that much, you know, and I was still like. I don't know, I just didn't take it serious, any of it. I just never did at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't really take anything serious for a long time. So I just did what felt right and went with that. And then that felt good. It worked and out. Yeah. It worked. Yeah, yeah. Worked out great. Yeah, you turned pro. You were the first uh, woman ever to turn pro in Europe. Yeah. Uh, which is a big accomplishment. And so the, the brand you turned pro for is called Color Blinds. Is that a, a Dutch brand? Or I'm not sure uh, where it was uh, from. Yeah, so basically the, the guy that ran Left Distribution, his name is Mish, he started this brand together, I'm not sure if he started it with Peter, you know, Bada, the artist. I don't know if he started it with him or, I don't know, it's like the Dutch skateboarding team and Rieger mm -hmm. was on it back in oh, the day okay. too. And, um, Before he got on, like, uh, he was skating for the firm, I think, after Yeah, after. Yeah. He had his first board on Colorblind and then went to the firm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, like, yeah, I got on that team. But, like, as I said, like, I didn't really take anything that serious because I didn't really understand any of it. So I just wanted to skate, you know. I, yeah, I, I enjoy never yourself. Really, yeah, and also, like, being so rare as being so few women out there, like, I didn't really... Know you had how no to one place to myself. ask advice from or, or stuff like that? Or? Not really. I mean, there were women around, but like it was just so rare and so small. Like, you know, you had like Alyssa Steamer and Jamie Reyes and Jesse Van Lookouts. That were the only female skaters I had seen in magazines in my whole life. There were three, you know? And they were far away, so. Far away, but there were at least three, but three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were American. Jesse's Canadian, but like North American, all of them. And like yeah. I was out in Europe and uh, it was a whole different world, you know? So like I just didn't know how to place myself with all the guys and I just, you know, I just did me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they wanted me to put me on the team and then they had asked me if I wanted to be pro and I said no because I just didn't feel like I was worth it. it. I don't know, or, yeah. I don't know. I just didn't want to be I don't know what it was. I just didn't want it. Okay. And then I went to move to Barcelona and one day I had a package and it was funny because
because it was on my 19th birthday, I remember. And I got this package, and I was like, oh, cool, I'm getting all this, I would get trucks and stuff, you know, like for skate material for being there. So I went and picked up my box, and then it had like all these boards with my name on it in it. And I was like, they made me pro, and I, I loved it. <laughs> and that was cool. And um, yeah, I guess like my, my sponsor was more aware of what was going on than I was. And so he just put my name on the board anyway, even though I was like, nah, <laughs> you know? And that's cool. That's a cool way to find out your pro, just opening a box and finding your Yeah, it was your a really board. cool 19th <laughs> yeah. birthday present. Yeah, 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 it's pretty sick. Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for him to make me pro. Believing in you and, yeah, yeah, giving you yeah. a chance. No, he definitely knew what he was doing. So you were skating for Colorblind and you also mentioned Etnies. Uh, I think you were sponsored by Carhartt also for a bit. Maybe yeah. that was a bit later. I'm not too sure how all these kind of work together, but... Uh, Yeah, Colorblind, Carhartt, Netneys, and then Rockstar Bearings from New York. It's a company that was made by Harold Hunter. He wanted to get a girls team together. It was like later on, like 2005 or something, like right when he died. Like he hit me up and then he died the next day. Really? Oh, yeah, wow. it was crazy. So I, I had never met him. And then like the co-owner was called Adrian. He had a skate shop in New York. So he was like all obviously completely shocked because Harold had just passed. And he told me that he wanted to put down a girls team. And he had like asked Evelyn as well from Belgium. Evelyn Bouillard. Yes, yes. Yeah, so they had, like, at some point they invited us to come to New York and just skate with them, and um, we went. And that's, like, I fell in love with New York and just, like, stayed there for a long time, so that was really cool. And yeah. that was a really nice change, because back in, when I started to go to New York, like, I would skate with friends of mine that were on the team. There were girls, one girl from Mexico called Myra, Myra Gallegos. She was a really good skater, and this other girl from New Jersey, Lorena Lima, mm -hmm. and we would just skate streets and skate New York and skate the streets. And uh, for me, that was a whole new experience because I got to skate with women that were like on the same level and inspired me to skate. And we we were all into street skating and just like it was so cool. So like these were like my favorite times because we got to go on a trip too, and it was like mixed we had women and men on the team and it was so cool yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it wasn't just like one girl and 10 dudes or two girls and 15 dudes yeah it was, yeah, like, yeah it was a good mix it was a good mix yeah and everyone clicked too it wasn't i don't know it was just natural you know yeah it felt right yeah Before we talk about traveling and, and stuff, more about traveling, I'd be curious to ask you when you started getting interested in photography, because you've been doing that for a while, and then later uh, you went to art school, but I'm not sure if you studied photography over there, maybe you focused more on like painting and stuff, but yeah, so how, when did you start like shooting photos and, and everything, was that pretty much around that time when you were doing the contests and turning pro and everything, or did that come a bit later maybe? Well, the first camera I bought, I remember it was, I think, 2001 or two. I don't know. But then the digital pocket cameras came out. They were new. This was like a whole new thing. Like, I remember mm -hmm. being super excited about it because, you know, you could never see your pictures. Yeah, with, um, with film, basically. 
Yeah, you were never able to see your photos like immediately. So for me, it was like magic. It was like, whoa, you, you can see what you shot like immediately? Crazy. Yeah. And so like they came out like one megapixels around 2002. So like when I won this contest, I bought one. I bought one of those cameras. And um, with that camera, I started basically to shoot all the parties I went to. Mm-hmm. And it became like a memory capturer basically from our parties. And um then I like ended up making a website which was like really not doable at the time. Like but I had a friend in my hometown, he, he was like really good into computer stuff and he knew how to do it, so he made one for me and then I could like upload, I could do like for example Paris contest in Shell and then page one, two, three, four and then like put all the pictures up and okay. so that everybody could see them, like everyone in the pictures, you know? So it was like basically before Facebook and social media and blogs I, I yeah, had yeah, and uh, I used that pocket camera as a memory catcher basically for all of us that I was with. Cool. And I did that for years, like six years or something and um didn't you make a book out of this? Because I think I saw something on your website that looks a bit like what you described with photos of people at parties and stuff. Yeah, I actually found all the the old photos on my hard drive while I was in art school. And then I decided to do something with it. And I put them all into chronological order. And by doing that, I understood what I did in six years. Yeah, Where yeah, yeah. I was, when, and yeah, it was a crazy project, but really mm-hmm. cool. And I'd say that that was like when I started my interest in photography it was already okay. back then. And then at some point, like I think I also quit doing these pictures around 2005, six. I think 2006, after 2006, I stopped because I also bought a Yashica, a T5 film camera. Mm -hmm. And I got more into photography, but then I got into film again. So I quit using the pocket camera and went over to film. And like, I got more interested in like thinking about what I was doing instead of like capturing what I didn't know I was doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, I did that for a while and I, I started to change the whole thing around and then and like around 2009 it was this uh, crisis that started right so basically all the sponsors kicked off all the girls it was the first oh. thing they did very elegant move yeah so at that time i was like all right i need to do something and you know like how skateboarding is now there's finally opportunity for women to actually really make it right but back then it wasn't the case like we were there but there were so little of us that we weren't really i mean i had the opportunity and everything but like it wasn't the same oh for sure yeah as it is now so like people working at my sponsor just sitting at a desk doing computer work women would make more money than i did jumping downstairs which was like quite demotivating you know yeah if you get a little bit older i mean i never did it for that but at some point you just start to see yeah the reality of it all and you're just like i kind of lost my inspiration and it was hard because i love skateboarding so much but like i didn't know how to keep being inspired in the environment i was in basically so then when i went to new york i found it again and i got inspired again which was great because i got to skate with other women mm-hmm. but um yeah i don't know like i was struggling with staying inspired and staying uh, motivated motivated yeah so i went to art school because yes. i was interested in that so like that year 2009 when the crisis hit seemed to be the perfect time to transition yeah 
yeah i just thought like all right i'm just gonna change my entire life and do this now because i know i love art a lot and i know that if you have a passion for something it's it could work you know so i gave it a chance and it was really hard actually because it like i felt like i was in rehab from pro skating going to art school you know Yeah, 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 I see. Yeah, it was crazy. It was a complete change of my entire life. But, like, it was good for at that moment. I think I needed it. So you were there for a few years then. How long was the art school? Three? Four, four years. years. Four years. Okay. So I combined it with skating, but I was, like, way more into art at this time. But I would still skate. I would go to New York. I did my internship in New York. But, like, I didn't skate much. I was just, like, in the school now, learning all these new things and, like, getting to know myself without the skateboards, specifically, I guess. Like, I just got to learn, like, another part of myself. Like, I used to think that skateboard was part of my body, you know? Yeah. I identified with it like it was part of me, physically. Mm -hmm. And then, during art school, I kind of, like, detached from that, which was very interesting. So, like I said, it was like rehab from pro skating I think I was like fully addicted to skateboarding and it was like all I could think about and do for a long time in my life mm -hmm. and then it was really nice and refreshing to like see all those other things that were out there you know and see like You know, I always felt like skateboarding was my expression, like music was, but I never shared that back then. But skateboarding was like my way to express myself. And then I started to go to art school and I was like, wow, there's so many more ways to express yourself. And it's not that like small, you know, there's just so much more open. Yeah, so many opportunities. And yeah, more. it's yeah. like infinite opportunities. Skateboarding is really amazing, but you do have rules somehow. Yeah. You know? Unspoken rules, yeah, for sure. And I just remember having this thought of like, all right, now I can get to express myself. I need to like skate spots that I like. You know how you express yourself in the city, skating down the streets or doing things. And then choosing a song that you liked. That was like a way to express yourself. Yep, yep. But with art, <laughs> it's like infinite. You don't need the song and the tricks and the skateboard. You can use it, but you can use like a million thousand times more and brighter. So like I felt like being in art school like opened up my my mind. Your perspective, yeah. And yeah. my perspective, yeah. And that was really cool. Yeah, so I did that. And then like I kind of like detached from skateboarding a little bit too much because I started to feel like negative feelings towards it. But it was like just because I had to grow and deal with some of my own things in life that are hard to deal with sometimes, you know? So then you get a little bit... Uh Frustrated or... Frustrated yeah. or, you know, you, you want to blame things and stuff. Like, I guess it's like what people do until you get to the actual solution of like, oh, wait, I have to own this. Like, it's no one's fault. I'm not a victim. I'm my yeah. own person. But until you get there, you get to blame everything around you for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so like, I also got into other things and stuff. So like, for me, skateboarding at the time, I also felt a bit trapped because as being a woman I also felt like I could never really be myself because it was so male dominated that like I felt like I had to be really strong and tough all the time and that's what kind of made me really tired I also felt a lot of pressure being a woman so I felt like I had to represent all women for mm. doing anything I did you know like so it was 
wasn't fun in that way because it was so serious and heavy. Yeah, a lot of pressure. Yeah, I felt a lot of pressure because at the time I had a lot of pressure and I think it like was too much and that's why I burned out from it a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then I got into art and all that, and then I remember my teachers would be like, why don't you do anything with skating? And then I'd be like, I just want to see what else I have, you know? And they were like, yeah, but you're like, you're leaving out a really big part of you. And I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it took me a little a little while to, to process to that. Yeah, yeah, to get back to it. And, um, you know, I went through a lot of things that like I didn't want to deal with back then when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And um, it brought me back on the right track, basically. Because you can't go around avoiding things. Yeah. They'll come back, you know. They'll, they'll catch get you. you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, then uh, art school was really cool for me. I mean, it was awesome because I got to use all the facilities at the art school and stuff. But I feel like it really helped me grow as a person and see different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you traveled to um, Afghanistan, I think that was in 2009. So was that right as you were starting the art school or was it before or during? How did that happen? I went twice. So once before art school and the second one was like two months in starting art school. Yeah, that was kind of crazy because like I just started the school and then I went skateboarding in Afghanistan and I had to ask free time from school to go there. Yeah, already. Yeah. How did you get involved with this uh, trip into Afghanistan? Did you know Oliver Perkovich at Skatistan? Or how did you get involved with that whole um, trip? Well, actually, my friend Kenny Reed, he used to live in Barcelona, like me. Yep, yep. So I knew him from there. And um, he would travel to all the crazy places in the world. Yeah. And so, like, he was offered this opportunity to go and skate in Afghanistan for a documentary about a project that was being built up called Skatistan. And nobody knew about that back then. It yeah, was it was just getting started. Yeah. So Kenny reached out to me and asked if I wanted to come because they wanted to bring a woman as well. So it was like Kenny, Cairo Foster, Mason Farai, who's originally Syrian but lives in Dubai, and me. And so I tried to do some research and checked some Google searches for like what it would be like to be in Kabul, you know, at the time. Because it was a full-on war zone and yeah, it was yeah, pretty yeah. gnarly and I was like scared. So I remember reading some journalists dying or something online that night when I had been asked and um, it just sounded really crazy you know full-on war and um, yeah no rules like it was basically one big craziness and like I couldn't really understand what it would be like you know because I'd never been somewhere like that at least that I knew of yeah and um, yeah so then I thought about it for a while like I told my friends like family see what they said talked about it like talked to the documentary makers had some phone calls also at the time there was a woman involved at Skatistan mm-hmm. so I spoke to her you know asking about what it would be like as a woman and stuff because it's even way different sure and um, yeah but then there was always this voice inside of me that was like you gotta go because you're just like them So, and I was like, as I'm half Algerian, I always had this thought, like, if I would have been raised in Algeria, I always wondered if I would ever skate. 
mm-hmm. because like most likely I wouldn't, you know, yeah. at that time. And then I always had this like sad feeling of that when I grew up. Like I was so grateful that I was in the Netherlands and that I could skate. So being in Algeria, like having that thought of that being a part of me, I always had this thought of like, what if I would be a little girl in Algeria and this woman would come and skate and show us that you know Mm -hmm. so then I was like I could be that person now like I have to go and I did it and Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I went basically so you said you went twice how long did you stay each time was it like a a week two weeks or something or yeah the first time was one week the second time was two weeks okay how was it basically like uh, was it uh, as scary as you expected or was it actually a bit more mellow or how did it no it was really not mellow it was like a full-on anxiety trip non-stop like tense you know yeah. like you know what they say about people going to war zones that it's like adrenaline and you get an adrenaline kick out of it so people keep wanting to go back you have that too okay but it's just a mixture of everything like it's a whole different reality you know like you can read about war but when you go in there it's like a whole different thing and then even then you're only visiting like Mm -hmm. but you get to feel it's like a gnarly energy it's really like helicopters planes flying super low things just can go down any second you could just die you know and you know it so you feel extremely alive Mm-hmm. And you just are completely unaware of what can happen to you in a second or an hour, and everything could just change. So you're in a constant roller coaster, and it's wild. It's really yeah. wild. It's like super stressful and super intense, and also really amazing. And you know, because when you meet, you do something that's good. It's like extremely good. Like it's like you're constantly on a on the edge. Yeah. But nonstop. So, like, yeah, it's it's a very wild experience. Like, everything is extreme, you know? Like, good stuff, bad stuff, dark stuff gets extremely dark, it gets extremely happy, like, but it stays dark most of the times, you know? Okay. Were you uh, teaching, like, skate classes to children, or was that not really already happening at that time? I'm not sure how, if they already had a skate park built, or how was it like the first time you went? No, they didn't have a skate park. They had nothing. They only had a house and they were giving skate classes at this empty pool, like a little thing that usually be full of water. Of yeah, yeah okay. like a little bowl, but it wasn't even a bowl. But that's what they found and then they started skating in there. And that's where like they would go and skate with the kids. And mm-hmm. um, we went there and we were there in a documentary. We were the first international skateboarders to ever, well, to come. And we were invited yeah. by the Olympic Committee because they made skateboarding olympic in afghanistan only way before it actually became olympic now yeah which was funny to us at that time we were like really skating olympic haha you know (laughs) actually is real now (laughs) so yeah we we were invited by this president of the olympic committee who was like pretty tough guy he invited us for tea one day so we went there and um, skated with the kids they did like some tv channels with us from afghanistan and then the documentary wanted us to be there so they could show the similarities and differences between us and them as skateboarders you know 
Right, right, right. Okay. So yeah, basically there were a bunch of little girls and they were extremely excited about me and the boys too because women don't have many rights out there, you know? So Yeah. And like it was weird. I had so much attention. It was kind of crazy. Like I would get attention from soldiers, anyone, men on the street just because Yeah, they had never seen someone like you, yeah. And they never had seen skateboarding either. So like they would think it would easy and then they would try because they saw, oh, she can do it. So I must be able to do it. So then that whole like mental state of like men, women completely fell apart because they would fall and realize how yeah. hard it is. And then they would be like, oh, shit, this is actually really complicated. What's going on? And then, yeah, it was really special. Yeah, you blew minds, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they wanted me to skate. They didn't care about Kenny. Like, you know, like, it was weird, like, because I was in an environment where everybody wants to always see, like, the pros, right? Like, yeah. and, um, and here it was just like, nah, you do the kickflip. You do a trick. Everybody wanted to see me do it. Yeah, and like, can you sit down and let Luisa skate, basically? Yeah. They just wanted to see the woman do it, you know? Like, it yeah. was really crazy. But it was cool, too, because then magic happened. You know, like minds changed and it was beautiful. Yeah, but yeah, also yeah. it could get real dark, obviously, and men would get really angry. I had both experience, but you know, the good wins. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you said there was a documentary, but you also made um, a book about this whole experience called Sometime to Smile. Two. And you also, after this first uh, experience in Afghanistan, in the next following years, you traveled quite a lot. I mean, that's a bit later, but you went to like Johannesburg, again for Skatistan in 2016, I think around there. Mm -hmm. And more recent times, you went to Palestine and like volunteered as a skate coach over there. I think you went to India as well at some point. I'm not sure exactly what year it was. But uh, basically, so you did all these travels and you started making zines about your experiences traveling and taking photos and kind of sharing the story of your experience over there. So yeah, can you just tell me a little bit about getting into making zines and maybe a bit about the different uh, major travels that you did that I just mentioned a few, but I'm sure there's other ones that I don't know about. Well, um, basically, after I finished art school, my plan was to move to New York and get an artist visa. Oh, yeah. So I had like the money together and um, that was my plan. But then when I finished art school, I was like so tired from four years of that, that I was just like, fuck, I don't want to go and work more hard, you know, I need a break. So I ended up buying a ticket to Indonesia, one-way tickets, and okay. went with some friends and we went to Indonesia and then I traveled through Asia and Australia for six months. So okay. like I went from Bali to Malaysia to Singapore to Australia and then I was in Australia for three months. And then while I was in Australia, my friend Lisa Jacob, oh, she, yes. she saw I was out traveling on Instagram and she was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I am traveling, you know? And then I told her I was in Australia and I was thinking about going back to Europe because I had to go to my friend's wedding, my friend Chris Fanner's wedding. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. 
And I had a photo project also with a gallery in Rotterdam that I was going to do. So I had to go back in the summer. But until then, I had this plan to like go back either through India, Cambodia, Nepal, or something else. I can't remember. So I asked her like just over a message, like a comment on Instagram, like, do you want to come? Mm-hmm. And then she was like, okay. And then we just met in India at the airport <laughs> randomly. And we had no plan. And then I sent a text message to this girl that my friend knew that's a girl skater in India Okay. and she happened to be an hour away by train building a skate ramp a concrete ramp in a school for street kids and uh, we're like one hour away so we went there and helped build this ramp and I uh, had a, like a really special experience with the locals. Them. Yeah, and then ended up going with her to Bangalore and stay at her house for a week. And yeah, it was a super cool experience. And then after that, me and Lisa went to Nepal. And then I went back to Europe. And so that trip was really cool because, like, it was so random. And it also made Lisa get into making parks. And she's doing that a lot today. And it's incredible. Uh, With the, I think, Concrete Jungle or I'm not sure which uh, NGO she's working with. Yeah. Yeah, she's killing it. And, And then, like, I went back to Europe, ended up living in Berlin for 14 months. And then, like, moved back to Barcelona and then there was this opening of the skate park in Johannesburg for Skaterstown yeah yeah and this um, agency from Berlin wanted to do a documentary about it and asked me to go with them Mm -hmm. and so I got the opportunity to go and see Skaterstown in another country which was really awesome and then I made a zine with that project because it was like a very special time and uh, inspiring as well yeah yeah and then after that my friend Kenny Reed he started to do this NGO like a summer camp in Palestine and invited me to come and join him for two weeks to help him out with his projects it's a skate kill yeah right it's not True. it's not skate pal no yeah, yeah. Right. but okay. um, I ended up going and doing different things while I was in Palestine in Skate Kilia and I've seen Skate Pal also like uh, the things and stuff and I traveled around a little bit and a really crazy place I'm sure yeah it's a kind of a silly question but uh, was it gnarlier sort of than Afghanistan or how did it compare obviously very different situations but very conflicted zones so yeah you can't compare it but in my opinion for me in my life I think Palestine was like the the most confusing place I've ever been. It changed me being there because it's like you get to see humanity at its worst, you know? Mm-hmm. And you also see them at its best. You have it all, obviously. When you see something bad, it's also the good in there. But like, it was just like a conflict that I just goes beyond understanding for me. I don't understand these things. Like, you know, it's just so crazy. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it has to end. But like, it doesn't. And it hasn't ended for so long already. It's been going on and it continues to be. And it's just like, it blows my mind. It's so crazy. Yeah, that place, that was. 2018 when I went there and uh-huh. a few months after that I quit drinking oh right yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah it definitely it, yeah. changed me that experience yeah yeah how long were you out in Palestine for well I don't even remember it felt like 10 years <laughs> <laughs> I don't like know a few weeks maybe or yeah probably a few weeks okay. yeah so while you were doing all these trips you were documenting them and as I said you were making zines 
I don't know if you did it for every single trip that you did, but at, at least a few of them you made zines out of um, the whole experience, basically. So how did you get into doing that, basically? Because uh, I think at some point you started like this uh, kind of zine. I don't know if I can call it a publishing house or something with a friend of yours. Yeah. So yeah, tell me a little bit about getting into zines, basically. Um, well, my friend, she's from Berlin, but she's actually from Iceland, but lives in Holland. And we work together on the Party Pictures project. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's a graphic designer and we became really good friends. And uh, we both have this interest for making zines and arts. And um, so we ended up doing that. It just seemed like a good idea, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, it's really fun. We're, we're a bit, we haven't really been doing much lately because like we obviously I moved away. We started that when I was in Berlin, but we don't live nearby each other. And we're all busy doing our thing too. But um, yeah, that's how that got along. And, came together and uh yeah actually we should do something again it's a fun project never too late yeah no it's always gonna be there for sure just uh we're all busy doing our other projects too and you're not living in the same city so i guess yeah. i miss it and covid happens so yeah 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 but it's great like i mean you know we both get motivated on doing things together and uh, we're a good team yeah it's it's super cool i just haven't been making zines for a while the last scene i made was the palestine zine and like i said like that the projects i made with the zines like johannesburg yep. also afghanistan and palestine they're kind of similar in a way and i feel like you, i made them because i needed to process yeah it and it's a way for me to like process and experience Digest, uh, yeah. yeah and that's how i made those zines and i've made different zines as well but they were different so it's like more artistic and stuff and then like i I've been changing after Palestine, after that zine, I've been changing my direction a bit. I started cutting up photos, started mm. getting into painting, making more music. So things are going different directions now. Like I feel like now I'm starting to focus more. I've been really into painting and to collage making and now I just bought a video camera. So I oh, nice. want to start experimenting with that. It's something I've been wanting to do for a long time, but I never chose which camera I wanted. I couldn't choose and now I just figured it out so that's really exciting yeah and I'm also doing some projects right now I'm working on a, a photo project for a magazine in the Netherlands mm -hmm. so um, I have a deadline for that Okay. And once that's done, I kind of want to focus on the video camera. And uh, I have already plans of ideas that I want to realize. But um, first of all, very most importantly, I need to understand my camera. Yeah, it's a whole different thing than photography. So yeah, Thank starting you. from scratch, basically. Yeah, I'm super excited. I've been excited for six years, basically. <laughs> and I just didn't know which camera to get. So I'm, I'm really excited. And uh, yeah, just um, needs to come down to the right moment. And I think it's there. Cool. I look forward to seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I just have a question about pushing borders because I, I saw that you you went there to the first edition in London. I think it was in 2018. Two. And so you were on this panel with uh, other like legendary uh, women skaters like um, Alexis Sablone, Alyssa Steamer, Lucy Adams, maybe a couple other people. So you, I just wanted to ask you about uh, how did that experience uh, feel for you and uh, and basically what did you take with you from it? 
but it was great. I really enjoyed that event because um, like there's all these pieces of puzzle, you know, that I have. And like I felt like when I went into this event, I got to piece a lot of pieces, put them together. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I felt like when I was young, growing up skating, like as a kid without the sponsors, everything was like natural. But once you get sponsored and it becomes like a professional environment, even though it was like a crazy industry at the time like something changes you know like because it's like it's not like just fun anymore it actually is more than that and I partied a lot I was young I had no idea what it meant what I was doing I didn't take anything serious like that at least like career wise or anything I like I didn't care because I felt like maybe now when I look back I'm like alright maybe I didn't care because that was a good way to protect myself too I don't know mm-hmm. but um, it worked for me like that but then there were a lot of things I never learned because I was always just like partying and not really there I wasn't really present so yeah. everything just happened and I wasn't processing it anything just like continuously moving you know yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was really fun and I had a great time but like I didn't really know what I was doing at all you know yeah you couldn't realize it on the moment and uh yeah and I was also like I had my other times I would like do things different like go to do a study here and there or like some school like some kind of courses I always did that but like I was always so into skating you know that was everything to me yeah so yeah when I went to that Pushing Borders event it was really cool because like I learned a lot of things there in that event that like I hadn't thought of in so long and it was really cool also the other panels they had like it was really inspiring like a lot of things I was like wow that's so cool and yeah I learned so much from that event also about myself and my own perspective and looking back like back in the day you know when you're like the first or pioneer like one of the very few you don't know what's happening because you just do it like yeah you might be rare to be like one of the very few women in the time and people around you are like wow that's so cool but you don't know because you're just there you just do your thing and you happen to be there and you don't understand that it's special because you're just you you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so when you look back and you see like when I was at the events and like I don't know like over the past few years also it's not just that event I think around that time is when things started to change Like, society started to open up about sexism, about racism. Things started to be talkative, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, like, it opened my mind to things that I was... I I didn't know how hard it was back then until now, you know? Like, until then, that's when I started to see, like, whoa, I actually had a hard time. Like, and I didn't really notice that because it was normal for me. Yeah. And then, like, putting yourself in perspective and seeing the bigger picture of your own experience it's not easy but it's so good you know yeah so I learned so much about my own past and also like things that weren't right and should have been different or you know like and like it made me see myself differently and also like 
stand up for what I deserve or my worth, you know, like express it in a different way. Because like when you are in an environment where everybody just like, you know, when people are racist, you're just going to be like, fuck these people. I'm just going to go there and like have my thing and know these people are fucked up. But you don't have much faith in the environment because it sucks because mm. you know it sucks it's been wrong forever but even the big people in charge they pretend that it's fine you know so mm. when you grow up like that at some point you just go your own way and you don't give a fuck anymore because you know it's different but it becomes this sad thing but then when everybody starts talking about it and like it actually becomes a thing again you can stand up and like you wake up and you're like oh wow I almost just you know got into this like haze of like um, acceptance almost it wasn't like I accepted it but like I just I guess I accepted it for what it was because it was in the past you yeah know? you made your peace with it yeah kind of. and I don't think it's good to make your peace with things that are actually an issue you know Mm-hmm. Even though you can fight something forever and then feel horrible about it and be miserable in the corner, like, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's still there. It's still an issue. Like, sexism is still an issue. Racism is still an issue that we're going on every day. And mm-hmm. it's a really big issue, too. And still, like, it's not being understood. And for me, like, last year, so my friend Chris, he um, reached out to me and asked me to get back in skateboarding. And so he he wanted me to be on Vans and get sponsored. And so it gave me, like, this comeback feeling of, like, being back in the game. And I have been learning so much shit since then, like, from then and now. And it's been, like, a very amazing experience because, like, it's like I've been... In a time machine I got into a time machine Back in time But it's not back in time Yeah Because you're a different person You're much more mature And you've grown up so much And had so much experiences Traveling and everything Learning arts So yeah You're a different person now Than you were 20 years ago Yeah but I'm also The same person still You know So that's uh, the cool thing About getting this experience It's a really cool thing To be able to live And then, yeah, what what I was going to say, like, there's a lot of things that have changed for the better, but there's still really not that evolved, you know? And that to me was kind of hard. And um, I try to stand up, but it's really difficult when you just, you know, you're part of something that you were just part of and then you realize like oh, okay this is, should be going differently or that should be going differently and still it's not mm-hmm. and then like I feel yeah kind of like frustrated about those things and then I'm like what do I do like should I stand up and change it but then is it like what I want to do or not like so I, I'm being confrontated with these things a lot of times mm-hmm. and it's difficult because like it just shows that like yeah little has changed changed still mm-hmm. and yeah there's still a lot of uh, progress to yeah it blows my mind mm-hmm. because very little has still been changed and if i try to explain it people still don't hear it you know mm-hmm. so that's kind of crazy and i don't want to be preaching things either but like i'm trying now to like somehow make a point so hopefully there will be a change you know but it's um yeah it's really it's weird mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You mentioned it a little bit before, but uh, what are you, like your next uh, projects and things that you have uh, cooking right now? You, you mentioned that you're going to get into video. What else is uh, on your to-do list? Are you going to travel a bit? Uh, what's next for you? 
Well, actually, I really enjoy being here right now. So, like, I don't know, like, I'm planning to go to Portugal next month for a okay. week. That's going to be exciting because I've never been there. And then, I don't know, I'm like, I have some projects lined up, but I don't have to go anywhere. And, um, yeah, so my plan is to just, like, I'm not looking ahead in time that much. Like, I would like to go visit Berlin. And okay. I would like to go visit Holland. But, um, yeah, for right now, I'm very much enjoying being here in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just got my own place a couple months ago, and I'm just loving it. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't really want to travel because I really like being home. <laughs> yeah, you just settled down, so you want to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah I understand. I really enjoy it. So I just want to do things from here because I'm comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, like my plan right now is to, like I have just gotten a piano like a month ago, so that's really exciting for me. Yeah. Because yeah. I've always wanted one, and I never had one since like we moved away from our hometown. So it's so exciting to be able to play the piano and learn because I wanted to relearn it for years, and now I get the chance to. So it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Because yeah, you play a lot of guitar, I think, as well, right? So yeah. Guitar, piano, you sing. Any other instruments that you that you like to? No, it's the guitar and the piano that I. I mean, I love a lot of instruments, but like. Yeah, those are the main ones. Those are the ones that I really want to play. Yeah. Yeah, put your energy in. So yeah, you know, I can't bring a piano traveling. So yeah, I well, really <laughs> like to to be here and be around it. And then also, like, I have the video camera. Right. And right. So that's what I'm also gonna explore and, and try to work on so that I know how to use it and then I can start doing projects with it. But yeah, so basically that's what my summer looks like, to get into all these things and work on some projects that I'm already doing. Okay. So yeah, I just realized after Copenhagen, I was just like, oh yes, I'm home, this is so nice. Yeah, you can relax for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. So good. Okay, so... I have some questions from friends of yours that I'm going to share with you in a second. Okay. But I have just one last question that I usually ask the guests before uh, I wrap up the interview. It's basically, um, like, what's the most uh, valuable lesson that you feel that you've learned from skateboarding? Hmm. I guess face your fear and yeah, believe in yourself, even though it's not easy because she can get hurt all the time. If you don't, so you kind of have to, but... Mm -hmm. I guess that's your fear, not believing in yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where all the fear starts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right, let's do the friends questions. So this first one is from Jeffrey Van Hove. Oh, wow. From uh, Belgium. <laughs> Former cliche writer. Former colorblind writer, too. So he said, hey, Luisa, what was the scariest experience? The four-wheel drive firecracker in Iceland or trying to ollie the big four in Magba? Well, definitely the four-wheel drive. Oh, yeah, okay. Actually, both of them were not that scary. I would say the four-wheel drive because it was in a car and we were off-road in the, like, on the moon. Kind of <laughs> like moon terrain in Iceland. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it, it wasn't that dangerous because, you know, there was nothing. But, yeah, yeah. definitely more scary than Ollie in the big four. All right, so uh, next question. This one is from Kenny Reed. So he said, what's one of your best memories from Afghanistan? That's a good question. So when it was the opening of Skatistan, the skate park, mm -hmm. there were like all these young girls. They came to me and they started to complain. They were like, 
there's too many boys skating, Luisa. <laughs> They have to go. Why can't we skate? And I just thought it was so funny because, like, I never heard that before, that complaint ever. Because <laughs> there were always only guys, you know? And then yeah. there's these, like, six little Afghan girls in a skate park upset about boys that they were skating to be boys. And I was just like, yeah. this is so surreal. <laughs> But I thought it was really funny because of the entire situation. Because women have no rights there, too. It was insane. Mm. And it was so so surreal that it was really funny. And, I mean, there were so many great things that happened there. I don't know, like, just skating with the kids there in general. Or, you know, seeing them be excited or learning new tricks. And being excited about something so much in an environment where everything was just, like, falling down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything there was just like, every smile was worth it, you know, mm -hmm. to see. And like, also, I was really inspired by the people there because like you live in a war zone and they still do their thing and live like good people. And it doesn't matter where you are. Like, it's just like a lot of people are spoiled or whatever you want to call it. Spoiled is a word that I don't want to judge. No, of course, yeah. But they don't realize how, how good they have it or, yeah. Yeah, and when you go to a place like that, you see how good we have it. And also, if you have it not that good, you can still have it good. Mm -hmm. And that to me was really inspiring there to see people, no matter where they are, it doesn't matter where you are because you could still, I don't know, find peace or something. Yeah. And then it's just so powerful to see that in a place like where it's a full on war. And yeah, that inspires to not be a victim. Yeah. All right. This next question is from uh, your friend Petra from uh, Forgotten Fan Clubs. Ah. So she said, she asked, uh, what country would you choose to travel through if you could only use your skateboard as a means of transportation? Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty random. <laughs> What's the smallest country in the world? <laughs> like Vatican, maybe? Vatican City or something? I'll or? go there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good answer. All right, this next one is from Casper van Lierop. I'm not okay. sure how to say his last name. Yeah, van Lierop. Van Lierop, okay. Yeah. So he said, you have been skating for a long time and you were a girl skateboarding in a time where that was rather rare and not as big and as supported as today. First off, thank you for being you and doing what you did for over 20 years. I assume it may not have been easy for you. You have always been an inspiration regardless. I look back at all our sessions and interactions with a big smile. Thank you again. Anyway, I assume and hope things are much easier now. But what are things skateboarding as a whole could still do better to support you and girls in skateboarding? Well, it's basically involve the women and... Uh, Put them in charge? Just think a little bit more. Like care a little bit more. Stop just going with your automatic pilot responses. Because like I'm not talking like day day. I, I do it too, you know? We all do it. It's just human nature. Yeah. But like when it comes down to things like racism or sexism, it really the change comes from within. And like now there's all these things that happen, like alright, so you don't like I don't really want to fight for it you know like I had to be strong and fight for it for so long back in the day I don't want to fight for being who I am you know yeah I don't know I don't I don't like the energy of it it's exhausting and I don't think we need to fight for being who we are we need to be able to shine so 
take the simple step, you know, and involve women, involve the ones that lived it, involve, you know, listen and don't doubt it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because we know. Why do we have to go on ancient ways? Like, it doesn't work. We just know that it's really not working. Yeah. And then we don't have to be an extreme female dictator all of a sudden. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, there doesn't have to come from any of that, like, fighting mentality. It just, it's just how it should be. It's like a natural thing to go, how I always thought it was. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that could definitely become better. Mm hmm. Because even the friends that I have that work in the industry and are women and are fighting for it, they're also suffering because of exactly this. Because they always have to fight, you know? And repeat themselves over and over and over again. And it's just like... Frustrating. It's so frustrating, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's evolving, but it's not evolving fast enough, I guess, yeah. And it's also this other thing, like people want to be important themselves. I don't know if it's just with skateboarding, there's more industries like that, but they just like want to be a part of it so bad themselves that they don't want to give their spot away or share it. Yeah. It's weird. It's like art scene has that too, you know? Yeah, well, people are protective of their own little spot or whatever, yeah. Yeah, it's weird because it comes from fear and therefore it never really brings good stuff. It's a defense mechanism. Yeah. And, yeah. and in this case, it's like you look at women skateboarding and you're like, okay, there's a bunch of women out there that are skating, but how do we know them? It all comes from like social media statuses or followings or... It's like so small and so little and so it still needs to grow so much. And the women that were there before, there's such a big gap between them two that it's like, I don't know, like there's a lot to be, I think it's like a lack of education too. And yeah. a lack of education, a lack of exposure. Because then now women are being exposed, but like, you know, then it's all American, only American viewed. Like America is like doing exposure on women, but it will always be Americans that are being exposed. Mm -hmm. And there just needs to be more of that, you know? Like, I've been thinking about doing it in Europe, but, like, I'm trying to think of in which way I would be into that stuff and how do I get inspired so it won't come from a place of anger yeah, or frustration, yeah. you know? Like, I want to do it, but I want to find the right way. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's what the real lack is. The lack of exposure, lack of education, lack of understanding. And that comes because it's a male-dominated environment that men are still in charge of all these choices and things that they just really don't know. And then they, they don't listen enough because they don't understand it enough. Because they're just a different kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just different. And then it's the same too. So like, you know, how many times have I had to like explain like, oh, we shouldn't do in exclusion because inclusion should mean we should be together. But how do you do inclusion if inclusion doesn't exist yet? So like, and that is like another deeper level of the whole thing that is being misunderstood because then the men have to maybe think at themselves and doubt themselves of like, oh, maybe I am sexist or oh, maybe I am wrong. And no, 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 I don't want to go there. You know, like... Yeah. I had to do that with myself too, and I'm a woman, so like, you know. They should look at themselves in the mirror and... It's hard to look at yourself in the yeah, mirror. Yeah, it's difficult. That's, yeah. that's why it's like this, I think. Yeah. And it's like mostly the education though, like, because if you explain it properly, People everybody will yeah. be agreeing, you know? This question is from Anthony Clarabal. Okay. 
Let's see. He said, what do you think 13-year-old Luisa would think of skateboarding today? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> I have no idea. I would probably still like it, but I don't know. Maybe not. It's like so different, you know? Like exactly. Life is different. I can't really answer that. 13-year-old me today would be a different person. So, like, I don't know. Okay. He also asked, uh, who is a young skateboarder, guy or girl, who you feel is doing things the right way? And he put right under, how do you say, co columns or something? Or Like, who who do I think is still a skater? Like, how who's I like, like a young a young skater today who's doing things, like, uh, the right way? I'm not sure what, he's, what he means by the right way, but, like... Uh... Yeah, there is no right way. Right oh, yeah. and wrong <laughs> doesn't exist. But I guess what he asks is, like, what kind of... Who do I think is an inspiring young yeah, kid? Yeah, young skater from right now. Mm, I like Henry, little Henry from El Carreiro Skate Shop. He's a Brazilian skater. I think he must be like 15 or something, but he's still like super hip hop. Okay. And I think it's cool. There's a lot of kids that I think are cool, but then, yeah, I don't know. I, I just came across Henry, but maybe it's also because Anthony asked the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you remember his last name? Oh, Henry Fisher. Fisher, okay. His dad's a skater from Brazil, and he's always been really rap. Like, so he, Henry, he's got that style from the 90s, but, like, his dad's. Okay. <laughs> so it's funny, like, he's super rap, but, like, made it his own, I guess, because it is kind of his own, because of his dad's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he reminds me of me when I was that age. <laughs> And he lives in Barcelona. Yeah, his dad runs a skate shop called Alcarer. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll look him up. All right, so let's see. This one is from, well, we mentioned her before, Lisa, Lisa Jacob. Mm -hmm. Lisa asked, uh, I know you were considering becoming a team manager for girls' skate trips. What would you do differently? And do you think pedagogical science studies should be a requirement on the resume to do a job like this? Yeah, I mean, that job is probably worth so much of your energy, you know, especially in the times right now. I've always been more interested in people and in depth, you know, like I'm not that interested in like, oh yeah, this person did this, this, this and this, you know, or like does that and that and that, like in the sports way. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. And I was into that back in the day, but I'm not anymore. Yeah. I'm just interested in what's the inspiration this person has or what is their story and why do they do what they do and are they, you know, like that's what inspires me. Mm -hmm. And so like when you are a team manager, you're dealing with people, but you're dealing with people that need to do the best tricks, right? Like yeah. or productive. So like you're dealing with pressure too. Yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny question. I mean... <laughs> Because they say skaters are like children and you're babysitting a team. Yeah. So yeah, for sure, in that case, you, it would definitely be helpful. But I would say you need to, like, if you really, really need to do it, you need to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> That's my point of coming from depth and, like, being more interested in the people. I feel like there's a lot going on in there. And skaters are definitely complicated people or unique characters. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, you need to have good, good human skills skills to be able <laughs> yeah. to deal with it and don't suffocate from it and go to a mental hospital yourself. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've heard that a lot from people I've had on the podcast that have been at some point team managers and it seems to be a, a tough job sometimes yeah I'm sure uh, it can be challenging with uh, like young skaters that can be you know a bit crazy or a bit uh, all over the place uh, a lot of energy and uh, want to party all the time and stuff it must yeah. be uh, challenging for sure Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I don't know if you... You don't need that study, but you can probably... It may be of use, but like I said, like I think you just need a lot of human skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whether you go and study that or not, like I guess you can have psychologists that studied for 10,000 years and still don't have the skill that some people have that never studied it. So like, yeah, I do think it's a heavy job. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, so... Luisa, hey Luisa, you are one of the most incredible women I met in my life. A talented person who does art, music, skateboarding, one of the first girls. And honestly, like, for me, it's such a pleasure to know you. So I'm asking you what kind of music makes you inspired to skate? What is the music which you like to listen the most while you're skateboarding? Do you like classic music to listen while you're skateboarding? And yeah. Did you recognize the voice or it's a bit difficult? Uh... Was this Manuela? Yes, yes, exactly. So Manuela Atanasova, something like that, yeah. What music, huh? Really depends. Whatever music that gets me motivated. It could be any kind of song. Like, if it hits me the right way, I can listen to it on repeat for days <laughs> and yeah. skate with it. But, like, or I don't. Like, you know, at the moment, I haven't been skating with music. Okay. Just uh, listening to the city, sounds of the city and stuff, yeah. No, I just also like to be in the moment with the noises of everything in, in the moment be present yeah yeah and i feel like when you have headphones on like you can't really skate with the people around you yeah so if you want to be detached it's great like you can put the music on but it's also nice to be there you know all right this next question let's uh hey louisa ollie perkovich here you're into art and photography which is so cool But you've also, as a pro skater, worked with lots of photographers over the years. Who has been your favorite photographer to, to work with and why? Wow. Well, I worked with several ones. Now I have to think. I listened to a bit of an interview you did uh, a little while ago with uh, Enrique Lorenzo. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned um, two photographers that I guess you worked with probably through Carhartt, uh, Bertrand Trichet mm -hmm. and uh, Quentin de Brier. Yeah. I don't know if they were already photographers at the time, especially Quentin. Maybe he was just skating. I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, maybe these guys are... No, the ones I would say would be, it would definitely be Marcel Feldman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Quentin then, yeah. Because they were the ones that, like, helped me too. Like, my first cameras that I bought, like, they were the ones to tell me which ones I should get. Yeah. Like, Marcel was, like, a bigger brother to me. We were from the same hometown. We shot so many pictures together. Like, yeah, he, he was the one who shot, like, most... I shot the most pictures with, I think. Okay. And, um, yeah, then Quentin, he also lived in Barcelona. So, like, with yep. him, was also, like, he's a big inspiration in his way. Like, I'm not really into fashion photography, but he's a great artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gone into fashion, yeah. Yeah, he's a big, famous guy now. Well-deserved. 
Yeah, good for him. Yeah. And Bertrand, Bertrand helped me a lot too. He was working for Carhartt. He taught me how to scan my negatives, which is really awesome. Cool. All right, last one. Hi, Louisa. Hope you're well. It's Claire Alum. Um, I had a quick question. I know you do um, a lot of art in different forms. I know you do a lot of photography, you play music, uh, you paint, maybe other things too. I just wondered uh, what upcoming uh, artistic projects you had, uh, maybe for this year or the next. Cheers. <laughs> well, I'm going to go figure that video camera out. Right. Is it going to be about skateboarding or not at all? Is it going to be a very separate uh, artistic project or...? Well, I've just always been interested in the medium of video because it's movement. And like, you know, photos are still, but you can actually create everything, use music and everything inside of a video. Mm. And my entire life have been super into that, but I never taken a step to really get it. So now I got it and now I just want to start trying to actually do what I wanted to do, you know? Okay. And um, yeah, I have ideas. I had like a plan that was going to, I was going to start in March, but because of COVID restrictions, I couldn't do it and missed the entire project, which really sucked. So I want to do, I want to redo that hopefully. And uh, as soon as I figured this camera out this time, like I wanted to, because when I was in March, when this happened, mm -hmm. my camera was actually broken because I bought the camera, but it was broken. So even though it was terrible, this whole disaster of not being able to go because of COVID stuff, maybe it was a blessing because the camera was broken. Okay. So now like the most important thing to me is to, to make sure that everything works correctly and I don't jump in before I'm like absolutely like, uh, ready. Yeah, no need for anxieties that don't have to be there, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> let's feel comfortable. Exactly, I'm gonna take it to another level now. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, let's wrap it up here. Thank you so much, Lisa. You're welcome. That's it for my conversation with Luisa Menke. Follow her on Instagram at Luisa Menke with an extra A between Luisa and Menke to check out some of her skate clips, paintings, music, and more. Also, go visit her website luisamenke.com to see some of her photos and zines. You can find more links and resources on my Linktree page. The link is in my Instagram bio to check out some of Luisa's video parts and documentaries she's been involved with over the years. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Voice.